Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I am a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you, to help you understand why the stock market goes up and down, to keep up with financial legislation that might impact your money. In the Plan Your Prosperity section, we look at different financial planning topics. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy section, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you want me to answer your question on the air, you need to go to askpeggy.com and go to the contact section. And from there, you should be able to input a question. Then I'll email you back. We'll make the question then educational for the audience. And then you'll hear me answer it on the air. So I want to start today with a tribute to my mother, Martha Fraser. If you've read my book or you've kept up with my financial career at all, you know that the only reason I'm in finance is because of my mother, who back in the dot-com crash of 2000 lost over 40% of her brand-new IRA she had just retired, turned it over to a stockbroker who put her in high-tech single stocks. Now, mom didn't understand the stock market, and I didn't understand the stock market. The only mistake she made was saying she wanted to make money. And so he put her in this super aggressive, all high-tech portfolio, and she lost 40% of the money in stocks that never came back because the companies went under. And then she lost more than that just off of items that went down like the NASDAQ, which we held forever and eventually came back some. But over 40% of her money was just gone. Well, I got so angry that I changed careers, and it was that event that actually has led me to where I am today. But sometimes when you hear this story of my mother, you don't understand how unbelievably intelligent this woman was. She was the only woman in her class when she got a master's of business administration at Washington University in St. Louis in the early 1960s. After she got that master's degree, she was offered a seat on the Chicago Board of Trade. I have no idea how that happened. She told me she turned it down because she didn't want the pressure. I said, maybe, you know, keep that pressure for two or three years. It would have been an amazing experience. But she turned it down, and instead she became a teacher. And she taught accounting at a community college. Then we moved to Oklahoma, and she went to work for Kerr McGee. And she was a CPA for Kerr McGee. Uh, well, actually, she earned her CPA certificate when she was 50 years old, because back when she first got in, you didn't have to be a CPA in order to be an accountant. But when she was 50, she realized that that was the direction that everything was going. So she studied for the exam, sat for the exam, passed it on the first try. This was when it was a multiple-day exam. And she made the second highest grade in the state. So she was a salutatorian from her master's degree, second highest um, grade on her CPA exam in Oklahoma. Eventually, she handled the international tax audit side for Kerr McGee. She was an amazing woman. She was insanely smart. 
she also passed away March 12th, 2019. And so this is my opportunity to give a tribute to her. She was fabulous. She was awesome. Alzheimer's is a horrible disease. But the reason it's okay for me to take a little time and brag on my mom at the beginning of this show is to tell you that if you don't understand the stock market or your money, you know, my mom got taken advantage of when by looking at it on paper, it'd be like, well, of course she should understand the stock market. And yet nothing that she did was part of the stock market. So I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to realize that not understanding this is not a sign of your intelligence. It's not a sign of how great you are at what you do. So don't ever be embarrassed. Don't ever be ashamed. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Always believe in yourself. My mother was one of the smartest, coolest people I will ever know in my life. She didn't understand it. And if she didn't understand it, it's okay if you don't understand it too. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Bulls and Bears Market and Economic Update. And this is for the week ending March 22nd, 2019. And last week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average went down about 1.84%. The S&P 500 went down 1.45%. The NASDAQ closed down just a little better than 1.5% down, while gold went up at 1.14%. March crude oil closed down about 0.86%, and the 10-year Treasury yield is now at 2.44%, and it's also down. Now, I really hate to spend a lot of time talking about the percentage of movement on the Treasury yield because it's such a small number going into it that any kind of a move looks like a bigger percentage. It was actually about 15% down, but I don't really think that's as useful to keep up with as just the general trend of is it up or is it down and what is the current yield. As the yield gets a little bit higher, I think these movements are going to become a little less extreme. So this is the 10-year anniversary of the new bull market. Does it feel to you like the great crash of 2008 was actually 11 years ago? And it was March of 2009 that the market bottomed out and started going back up. And we've had a couple of glitches and hiccups in the last 10 years, but we haven't had anything like a major market decline. We haven't had a major market crash. And, you know, people want to know, well, what do I think the market's going to do next? I I don't know. I, I can't tell you from day to day. What I'm always looking at are macroeconomic trends, big things that are going on, geopolitical information, those movements that don't cause the day-to-day movement, and sometimes even like that big decline that we had in the market last November, 
that, you know, we're already very rapidly working ourselves back from that. We are at a flatter point in the market than we were in November, but certainly what's happened in November and then with all of the rally that we've had since then, that's nothing like a 2008 decline. And so we are, by all definitions, still firmly in a bull market. So what will change that? You know, it'll probably be something that starts kind of innocuously. It usually starts with some kind of a bubble. So I hear people sometimes say that there's a lot of people who own cars that are buying much more expensive cars because cars are crazy expensive today than they should. And so they're overfinanced. I don't really see how being overfinanced in the automobile industry is anything like the real estate industry, but I always listen to voices like that. I think more likely to be problematic if there's something really huge lurking on the horizon is the long-term impact of the huge amount of student loan debt. But I'm not really sure how that plays out, and too many people are talking about forgiveness plans and working it off plans and, you know, debt reduction. So right now, I just think that we stay sort of where we are. I think we're going to be flatter this year. I think the market really has gotten all of its excitement that it was going to. But, you know, the big news of the week, because this is um, March 25th when I'm taping this, was that the Mueller report came out over the weekend and did not find signs of collusion. Now, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or what party or non-party you're a member of. We really all should be super happy that the president of the United States did not actually um, um, try to, to get a foreign country to meddle in our election, especially a country like Russia. But it would be wrong even if it was England or or one of the other countries that's more of our ally. But certainly when it's a country that's not an ally, it would have been really problematic. So the no collusion finding is actually good news and probably putting some stability under the market. Market's a little down today. It didn't have the giant rally that I sort of expected this morning, which proves that even I, a lot of times, am just trying to make this up as I go along and figure out where we're going. But I do think it is a stability under the market. I think that had there been a finding of collusion, the market would have had a much bigger reaction to the downside because it would be pretty horrifying news. So, you know, just always make sure your portfolio is balanced the way it should be. Look at your risk tolerance. Make sure you've got good diversification and different kinds of investments as well as within asset classes. And it's really your best bet. It's much better than trying to time the market or chase the hot stock because a lot of times you can get in a lot of trouble when you go down that road. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update in the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And the first piece of legislative news that I want to talk about today is really important. So if you're not really much into politics and a lot of the legislative update, you're not that interested. And I really want you to listen here for a minute, <laughs> at least five minutes of the show today, because there is a very important change that happened in March. Um, it was actually March 6th. So this has happened about two weeks ago. In 2015, 
the Treasury Department, now that was under the Obama administration, was wanting to put in place additional rules that would stop lump sum buyouts from someone's pension plan. Now, let me put that in English so your eyes don't glaze over right from the beginning. What that means is that if you were a retiree and you were getting a pension, the companies were wanting to offer to buy your pension out, basically, and give you a lump sum of money so that, you know, maybe at the age of 70, 72, rather than getting a monthly pension check, you'd get a big chunk of money, or at least it would look like a big chunk of money, and then that would be the money that you would have to live on for the rest of your life, and you would make the investment decisions and what the um, Treasury under the Obama administration said is this really isn't a good idea because people don't really understand how to handle lump sums of money. And there's a lot of financial exploitation that can happen, especially in the financial world when people realize that there's a big pot of money that suddenly an advisor can get access to. And especially since um, we no longer have a fiduciary rule in place once that money rolls out from the plan, there's, there's a lot of fear here. So in 2015, Treasury had said no. However, as of March 6th, the Trump administration's Treasury Department said it's not going to issue those rules after all. So they undid the pending legislation. Um, the Obama administration had given them a few years to get it in place. The Trump administration's treasury has dropped it altogether. So what that means, if you're a retiree, is you may be getting a communication from your pension plan saying, hey, instead of getting a check of X amount of money for the rest of your life, we would instead like to give you this lump sum of money right now to deal with. And it's a very appealing pitch because it's going to be a lot of money. It will likely be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And people have a tendency to like a, a big sum of money that they know they're going to have in their hand rather than counting on the pension to go forward. The problem is the lump sum buyout that they're giving you has multiple risks associated with it. The first is what rate of return were they assuming that you could earn on the money when they figured out what the lump sum of the future benefits would be? The higher rate of return they assume in the projection they give you, the lower amount of money they have to give you today, because if you earn a higher rate, then you don't have to start with as much money. And then the problem becomes what happens if the stock market doesn't actually give that return. The second problem is now you're responsible for all the investment decisions. The third problem is the financial services industry says, oh, here, let us help you with it. And so you'll get all kinds of annuity pitches, and these are secondary annuities, so they could easily have surrender periods and fees and commissions and all kinds of things associated with the money. Now, this is an educational show. I do not give investment advice on this show because this is radio and I don't know who you are and I can't swear to you that the pension is a better bet than the lump sum amount is. 
So what I'm going to suggest that you do is talk to a certified financial planner practitioner, or if your CPA knows how to do the present value of money, you need to, at the very least, know the rate of return assumption. You'll figure this out using a financial calculator, and so you see how much you need to make in return in order to generate that monthly payment you're getting right now. Now, in an absolutely perfect universe, what you do is you look at the assumed rate of return and you try to decide what kind of rate of return you can earn, and then it becomes a math problem. But like I said, there's a lot of problems in that. Let's say you need to make an 8% rate of return for this to work. First of all, does that include inflation? Because, you know, I run an inflation assumption of 3%. Second, do you know how to put together a portfolio that gives an 8% rate of return year after year after year after year after year? If someone says, oh, here, I can do that, you really need to find out what sort of track record they have. And you need to look at what they're going to be doing with the money. And you absolutely should, in my opinion, ask them how much money they're going to get via commission from their home office or fees they're going to charge you. I want you to know every dollar of compensation from any source and pin them to this because, oh, well, we're not getting paid out of your money. Okay. It's probably coming out of a surrender period. How much money are you getting paid from somebody? Okay, so be really hard about this. Be, be completely obnoxious about it because this is being hidden from people. I'm not an obnoxious person. I'm a pretty nice person, at least sometimes, but I don't like to see how people are being taken advantage of. You know, I will say that most of the time I would encourage people to keep the pension. You know, I manage money as part of what I do for a living, but when a client comes in with a pension, I'm thrilled because that's an amount of money I don't have to worry about the client being okay about. So I I don't generally, there are exceptions that prove every rule. That's why I can't tell you what to do. But generally, I'm really happy if a client comes in with a pension, either from the state or from, like, maybe they're a teacher or maybe they work for a corporation that still offers the pension. That information, even though I do manage money, that always makes me happy. I'm happy not to have to come up with that rate of return month after month after month. So really think about it. Even though it looks like a lot of money, even though you may think, wow, I can do better, be super, super careful with this because I don't want you to make a mistake because once you get rid of the pension, you can't get it back. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today I want to talk about identity theft. And I know that some of the advice that you'll hear in this section you may have heard before, but I'm really amazed at how emboldened identity thieves have become and how much of a problem this is. And we still seems like we hear every two or three weeks, sometimes even more often than that, that something's been hacked. 
that somehow a lot of information has gotten out and become vulnerable. You know, just this last week, there was an issue with FEMA. And they said, you know, it probably wasn't going to become an issue, but there was still a release of data. So I know that we can't control everything. And, you know, it doesn't pay to become paranoid. Being paranoid doesn't help anything. It doesn't fix anything. But there are steps that you can take to try to stop yourself from being a victim of identity theft. So I want to go over those a little bit. And I want to start out with the really, really basic point of when people call you. And I want to um, describe something that happened to me because it really blew my mind. I got a I got an email actually. It wasn't it wasn't a phone call. It was an email from my credit card company saying that it thought that I might have been hacked and that I should click the link here. And it was like, no, I'm not going to click the link here. You're not my credit card company. And so I got the phone number and there was a phone number on the email that I could call, but I really didn't trust that either. So I got the um, email or the phone number off the back of my credit card and I called them and I said, did you send me this email? Yeah, well, we noticed some suspicious activity that happened in your card when you were in Texas. Well, come to find out that somehow my credit card had been compromised, but my credit card company chose to tell me via an email. And I sort of let them have it over the phone. I said, are you kidding? I said, I would never have clicked on that link. Never in a million years. You need to find a better way of notifying people. So sometimes you'll get an email and sometimes it's actually legit. What you always want to do though, anytime you get anything like that via email, is go get the card, find the phone number on the back of the card, because you know that's the right phone number, and call and confirm it. And then I never did click on the link. I took care of everything over the phone. So be very careful. I think we all know at this point the Nigerian prince isn't sending us $10 billion, but there's still a lot of weird things that come via email. And if you don't know where something's from or if it's a funny email from a person you know, don't click on that link either because they're sometimes hacking people's email accounts. And if somebody that you know sends you an email that says hi or they misspell words in it, it's a pretty good clue that probably didn't come from the person. If someone calls you and is trying to get information, even if they say they're from the credit card company, tell them that you're going to look up the number and call the number back. So that when they call, I always say, that's great. I'll call you guys back. I hang up. Then I go back to the card or back to the bill. And I get the phone number off of that. And then I call. Now, I've generated the call. I know who I'm talking to. And it doesn't become an issue. Again, um, being very careful what you share. Sometimes on social media, we post trip pictures from the time we get on the plane until we come back home. And although it's not identity theft, it could become plain old-fashioned theft if people know that your house is empty. So, you know, save those social media pics until you're back or the day you're coming home. But be a little bit careful what you post online because it can let people know, you know, unless you've got someone staying at the house and you know it's fine. I'm not trying to be the social media spoiler of fun, but just be careful because a lot of times if someone goes through your entire Facebook feed, 
they can figure out roughly where you live. And you can give the name and you may give family members names and then you can use a crisscross and look it up. So you want to be really careful. You don't want to, um, you don't want to give out information so that people break in and steal anything that you own. And then finally, if you don't own a shredder, you need to go buy one and anything that has identifying information about you should be shredded, not just thrown in the trash because the people who don't wish anything good for you have an enormous amount of patience. So shred offers, shred things, be careful with identifying information, getting into the trash stream. And if you take these steps, you may still have a problem, but at least you'll be a little safer. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And really, today isn't so much a specific question that I get from clients. It's more comments that clients and I always have after there's been a storm event. And the problem when you have a storm is there's a lot of financial planning issues that can arise out of it, along with trying to take some steps just to be a little bit safer while you're dealing with it. Now, I live in Oklahoma, and so our big storm season is always the tornado season, but really this advice works well for a lot of different disasters. So even if you live somewhere else, hopefully you can get something out of this that'll be useful for you. So, you know, when the storm's on its way, especially with a tornado, it's a little late to start making a plan. So one of the things that you want to do is have a storm survival bag. That storm survival bag needs to have flashlights with extra batteries. It needs to have drinking water. It needs to have important prescriptions just in case you're a couple of days displaced without being able to either access the medication or even get to a pharmacy. You need to have any portable charger for your electronics, bring your important electronics into that bag, like maybe an, an iPad or a cell phone. Also, you should have in that bag any picture that you would be heartbroken to lose. And if you don't want to put the picture itself, then make a picture of the picture. Somehow create a digital image. It's really important. What people say they miss the most are photos. I realize this has nothing to do with financial planning, but I talk about prosperity. And prospering is not losing those pictures that means everything to you. Now, additionally, you should have your insurance policies and you should have the phone number for your agent or the phone number where you would call to make a claim. So you have all of that right with you just in case you needed to get a hold of them and your house is in a situation where you can't access it. So always have those policies there, always have the phone numbers there so you'll be okay. You need to read your homeowner's policy and see what it covers. Traditional homeowner's policies do not cover flood damage and they don't cover earth movement. So in a hurricane zone, the flood damage coming in needs to be covered by FEMA flood because typical homeowner's policies don't cover it. 
Most homeowners policies don't cover earthquakes or mudslides. Sometimes you need a different policy. Sometimes you need a rider, but you need to make sure that you're covered for earth movement just in case something happens. So you need to also be careful that you've got all of those documents, all of those, all of those pieces of information together. Because if you don't, it could really slow down on making a claim. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't have your homeowner's policy with you, that there's no way to fix this, but it would be a lot easier if you did. And if you don't have the coverage for what you think you have, you're not going to get things paid for. In Oklahoma, we've started having some earthquakes. If people don't have earth movement as a separate coverage, your homeowner's policy may not cover it. In fact, it probably doesn't. So you need to be very careful and you need to make sure that you have all of the coverages that you need, everything organized, put together, and safe. Well, I can't believe how fast this week's show has gone again. I was really happy to get in the studio and tape a new show for you guys. And have a great week, and I hope you prosper. Bye. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.